Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jared Goff takes the final knee, and the final seconds are going to come off the clock here at Ford Field in Detroit. The Detroit Lions have got their first postseason win in 32 years. January 5th, 1992. They outlast the Los Angeles Rams. They win it 24-23. That is the Westwood One call. And there are a couple of teams from the NFC North that are representing the division that the Bears swore that they would take and never give back, yeah. and they're they're working on it. There seems to be a couple of teams in the way, yeah, of they're... them taking the North and never giving it back. Well, they're they're working on it, and and those two teams could meet in the NFC Championship game next week. Carmen Vitale, Fox Sports reporter, specializes in NFC North coverage, and she can be followed on Twitter at CarmiV and can be heard now on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Sports Illinois. Hello, Carmen. Hi, guys. What an intro there. Really doom and gloom for Bears. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a rough go for sure. Are you going to try to do both games, or are you only going to be able to cover one? No, I can only cover one. I'm going up to Detroit, so uh, I I can't be in two places at once as much as I want to be. Um, and yeah, I mean, I know there's there's a day difference. That's just with, no, with all of the weather in the Midwest. It's I can't take that day. No, you can't. And it's the late game on Saturday, so it'd be really hard yeah. for you to then get to Detroit for for the afternoon game over there. What do you think is most impressive about the way that that Detroit? Has has rallied after you know some weeks where the defense wasn't very good, and now find themselves one step away from the NFC title game. Yeah, honestly, the most impressive thing to me, especially about this last game against the Rams, was that Matthew Stafford had a great game. He was still slinging it, and they still won. And that is what you need to see out of this Lions team because they're going to give up yardage. The pass defense has been a concern of mine all season long, and I don't think that you're going to be able to necessarily get away with that, but you're going to have to bend, not break. That's going to have to be your MO. If you're the Detroit Lions, you're going to have to get pressure with Aiden Hutchinson. Aline McNeil coming back is huge for him, um, which you saw against the Los Angeles Rams. So as long as that defense can kind of put a cap on what Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and apparently Trey Palmer and David Moore and Rashad White can do on this Bucks team, I think the Lions have a pretty good chance here. In watching what's happened with Dan Campbell in Detroit as closely as you have covering that team, 
why do you think he succeeded? Because one of the things that Dan and I have talked about this week is I think there's two different styles that are going on with LaFleur and with Campbell. How would you describe Campbell's style? I mean, it's pretty it's pretty obvious what uh, Dan Campbell's style is. He's that football guy, right? He is just – I think he gets an unfair cl- uh, classification as one of those, like, meatheads because he's not. He is a very smart coach. He's got a great feel for the game itself. And But the thing is, he is the motivator that beyond motivators with these guys, and he has created a culture in Detroit. I go back to last season so many times when I'm explaining who Dan Campbell is because I was in the locker room when they were in the middle of that one and six start to the season last year. And the way that you would have never known it, uh, that they were losing and that, you know, things were still kind of bad in Detroit coming off that three and 13 season, but they, everybody was still, he hadn't lost the locker room. Everybody was still happy. They were joking around. They were listening to music. And that's not to say they weren't taking things seriously. It's just that they knew things were going to get better because they believe in themselves. And that starts with Dan Campbell. That starts with his staff, who is made up of a ton of former players, too. So they relate to these guys so incredibly well. And I think that that's another distinction that you see between Dan Campbell and some other coaches where he's been through this fire. He's been through these trenches at the NFL level for a very long time. And also have a lot of his assistance. So that really helps these guys kind of trust the process, I feel like, a little bit more. Because when I tell you that these guys have this really central singular belief in themselves that allows them to look inward, that way they can block out all the noise, good or bad. Uh, And it's why we've seen them rise to the occasion every single time. I didn't think the Dan Campbell thing would work. I, I really didn't, and it's and it's not because of the the meathead footbally stuff because he is kind of a meathead, but he's not dumb. There, right. so I, I think multiple things can be true here. But what I thought would would be a headwind for him is the emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. of how hard he took losses and mm-hmm. like literally in tears after mm-hmm. losses and pumping his fist and screaming after wins. And I think some of us who grew up in the era of Tom Landry and Chuck yeah. Knoll were always you know, see, make sure that there is this, this level-headed, placid demeanor where you're not you're surfing the highs and, and dying with every low. But, but I think he's been able to do it in large part because of his level of accountability. He's been very yeah. real. You know, there's, there's. I guess there is a way to do it where you, you can sort of live and die with every outcome. I think a lot of these players appreciate that too. I mean, you see how some of these, like, listen, quarterbacks should never get too high, should never get too low. That's the, that's the main thing when it comes to those guys. But if you think about some of these other positions on the field, especially, you look at like DBs. You want them playing with emotion, especially when they're doing well, right? You have, they have to celebrate their wins because they're going to take their losses. And I feel like guys really respond to the fact that their coach is feeling this too right along with them. And that goes back to being able to relate to these guys on a level that you just can't if you haven't played the game at that level. So I, 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 there's absolutely a way to do this. Dan Campbell is writing the script or writing the blueprint for it. Um, but he is very in losses while he takes them hard. He's still very, I don't know the word he's, he, he takes, he takes accountability first and foremost with his, himself. 
he takes accountability for his players and says, you know, we need to be better at this, we need to be better at that. But let me tell you what we did good. And he talks about that as well. So it's kind of this tough love kind of, I don't know, it's, it's just it's a really good way to do it that we've seen. And it allows him to be so incredibly authentic. And that means a lot to the city of Detroit. Before we move on to the Packers, let's talk about the, the team that's taken on the Lions, another team that you yeah. know really well with the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, I don't know if I've, I've seen Baker Mayfield have as much fun as he's having this season, his whole entire NFL career. How are the Bucs here? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody really – they were left for dead earlier when, you know, Tom Brady retired and they get Baker Mayfield, and I feel like everybody kind of chuckled at that. But what was so important was the arrival of Dave Canales, their offensive coordinator. And this is a guy that was so impressive in his interview that Todd Bowles did not have a previous relationship with him. And I, I don't think Todd, Todd Bowles shied away from the fact that, like, this was a season – this was a make-or-break season for him – so for Todd Bowles to stake his career or his, with Tampa, or stake his job with Tampa on this guy, Dave Canales, you had to think that he was something special. And it turned out that he has been. He was there in Seattle and helped kind of Geno Smith's resurgence as his quarterback's coach. And no, he hadn't called plays. That was the risk you took. But you see him get better and better as the season goes on when it comes to play calling. And these guys – the, the offense that they have, it can utilize so many different guys. I think I alluded to it earlier where you got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, sure. But if you watch the game against the Philadelphia Eagles, who were the guys that scored and went off? It was Trey Palmer and David Moore. I will be totally honest with you guys. I didn't know who David Moore was before that. Uh, it's a way that they can, even if you take away their main playmakers, Dave Canales has figured out a way to beat you in another way. And that is the key here. I think Baker has responded to all of that. He makes things easy on Baker as well. You see a lot of quick game. You see a lot of, you know, Baker just kind of going to his first and second reads and slinging that thing. Uh, It allows for Baker to improvise a little bit. So it's a fun system. And then when you have a defense that you can really lean on and a really fun defense at that, uh, it really makes it Baker's job a lot easier. And it just all really works. When it comes to the Packers, where do you think the moment is where Jordan Love goes from interesting quarterback prospect to one of the best quarterbacks in the league? When did that happen? Uh, hmm. I want to say it happened. It happened around midseason. I want to say it happened around the Pittsburgh game where I really started noticing, okay, a lot of this is not only Jordan Love having to get acclimated to game speed and actually executing this offense that he's known backwards and forwards for three years. That's the hard part, by the way. But it has a lot to do with his receivers and the fact that they're young, too, and they needed to learn the nuances of their quarterback, and he needed to learn their nuances about how they like to run routes, what the timing is, all of that kind of stuff, not to mention – the Packers took a few weeks to figure out what to do after David Bakhtiari went down so early in the season. They have, it's a weird, uh, kind of unique situation that Green Bay has with their offensive line because they have multiple offensive linemen that are actually pretty versatile and that you can play in different spots. 
So that kind of made it a little bit more difficult to figure out, okay, where is the best spot for Elton Jenkins, for Zach Tom, for Rasheed Walker, guys like that. So you wanted to figure that out. They did that. And once all of that started to come together, you see Matt LaFleur open the playbook up a little bit more, and you really see what Jordan Love is capable of. And that's when we're getting all of these just insane tight window throws. He loves throwing off his back foot now. And I'm like, I love that he does that, but I'm like, okay, but you can also, you know, step into throws to Jordan. Like that's a, that's a possibility as well. But I do think that it was just a matter of everything kind of coming together. These guys getting more experience. The secret ingredient was time. And that's, it's not sexy, but it's true. Well, I think there's something else at work and I, I hate the old trope that coaches use about distraction. I really do. Cause for the most part, when you hear that, it's it's just garbage, and it has to do with players and their their lives away from the field or their any other you know the silly stuff about romantic interests and hobbies and all that. But in the particular case of the world of Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. I would love for there to be an index that's something where I could look and measure about like the heat loss on all of your operation when he's around at this stage mm. of his career and just mm-hmm. what it has meant for all of that to be someone else's problem now. And as hilarious as it was that Rogers is like, well, we got to get rid of the BS that doesn't mean anything about winning football. Like, uh, dude, you're right here. And just to, to, to wake up for everybody in the Packers organization to wake up and say, ah, he's not here anymore. It was something, something that Matt, or uh, sorry, Adam Stenovich said uh, last or this week, I believe. Their Packers offensive coordinator really struck me, and it's something I hadn't considered before. Not only did you have the distractions of Aaron Rodgers and you know mouthing off about this, that, and the other, but you had a guy that was so confident in his skills, and rightfully so, he's one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it. But that he would change. I think the Packers last year copped to like. 30% of the plays, which you know you need to like double at that point if they're publicly copying the 30, 30%. And when that happens, when you have a quarterback that's changing so much within a game, as much as you might trust him and know that he's talented, that does not allow you to build on a game plan. And it doesn't allow you to really set things up like you want to if you're Matt LaFleur and you're the play caller. What we're seeing now is Jordan Love operating this offense as it's intended to be and that is allowing Matt LaFleur to make these adjustments to the point where, okay, we're going to show you this look and this look in the first half. And then guess what? In the second half, we're going to show you those same looks, but we're going to run something else out of that and keep the defense on its heels that way. You can't create that chess, you know, master, masterful chess game uh, if you don't know the plays that are being called on the field. And that's what Adam Stenovich talked about. And I think it's incredibly true. So there was, in a way, distractions on the field with Aaron Rodgers that now no longer exists with Jordan Love. That's a great, great point. That's a great catch. How, how do you think they would go about beating this juggernaut that is the 49ers? So Aaron Jones is going to have to be really involved again, and the good news is that he's had he ended the season, I believe, with three straight 100-yard games. You saw what he did against the Dallas Cowboys, which he always does against his hometown team, by the way. He's never not had a 100-yard game against them. If the 49ers have a little bit of a weakness – defensively it is against the run and I not only can you gash them with Aaron Jones and get yards that way get you know production that way but what Aaron Jones does is he settles Jordan Love down he settles this offense down and he 
makes it so that uh, Matt LaFleur can get to his entire playbook and really get creative with these offensive calls. On top of that, Matt LaFleur, he was aggressive against Dallas. They took the coin, you know, they won the coin toss, took the ball, went for it on fourth and two. You're going to need to even like amp that up by a lot more because you're not going to win this game against a team that on paper is the better team if you're not aggressive. So I'm really looking forward to seeing just how much they utilize Aaron Jones, how creative they can get, and how aggressive the Green Bay Packers can be in San Francisco. Because at this point, they're playing on house money. They don't have anything to lose. And that's a really dangerous mentality for a team to be able to go into a, uh, a game. Carmen is young and fashionable, okay? So, <laughs> so I've, got, I've got to ask you this question. because I wouldn't Dan, know anything about that. Right. Neither one of us would know anything about any of that. Dan and I were talking about the the Travis Kelsey coat that Mrs. Uchek oh. made for Taylor Swift. She's done a bunch of them before. There's a couple that are out there. I think there's even a Jonathan Owens one that Simone Biles wears. Yeah. Is that trend already over? No. Okay, so first of all, Kristen Uchek has been doing this since last year. She was swagging out the 49ers. Uh, wags way before any of this kind of hit the mainstream. She's also been making her own outfits for a while, and that's where she got her initial practice because she's self-taught, which is really impressive. Uh, I think last year she took a football, a singular football, and made a shirt out of it. So it's really cool. She can do a lot of cool things. And no, I mean, this is what this has been kind of wag fashion, wife and girlfriend fashion um, forever. And now you get to see, though, like, a custom, like the custom thing is so cool. And you can do that means you have you don't have any limits on that. So you can evolve with any trends and it doesn't necessarily have to be the jacket or the puffer or whatever. She can do so many different things. So I think it's really cool. I wish I could afford her stuff. I would have her make me like, a, you know, an amalgamation of all four teams that I cover because I think that would be so much fun. But it's not. What do you mean? Is it out? It's I, not out. I don't know. Like the, 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 you're repping your man, especially in that in that case, in Taylor Swift's case, in Brittany Mahomes' case. Like you're repping your man. You're supporting him. Come uh, on. Well, I feel like if Brittany Mahomes is wearing it, then it is out. But, but that's saying, a whole other story. Yeah, yeah, but just right, wait. If, if she but, yeah. if she could really scale this, like if she went on Shark Tank, and and, and 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 said, "Here's how you scale it." Could you imagine, like, the sports parents out there yeah. that would do it for their, their high school seniors on senior oh, night? Yeah. Or, I mean, that, that it would be incredible to take I just something. Worry, I worry if she scales it and, it, and, like, Fanatics gets a hold oh, of it. God. Like, oh, God. Fanatics is – have you seen the memes? Like the have you seen oh, the memes God. about the, the Fanatics uh, errors? Of how Dude, yes. it's it, how, how, the number of mistakes. Really? Oh my god! It's they, oh, they're barely they're, trying. Oh, they are barely trying, and I there I've had so many bad experiences experiences with them. Just them sending me the wrong stuff, and it taking forever to get a hold of somebody, and trying to get it fixed, and all of that kind of stuff. Ugh. I don't. I, I hope that that doesn't happen. I wish that there was a way for her to scale it. I don't know that there is though, because it is so custom and it is so special because she does them. Um, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe she can figure it out. I love it. I think she's very talented. I love all of the stuff. I think, you know, at least it's not pink. I hate this, like, women's wear pink sports yeah, stuff. I know. It's so bad. So at least you're still you're using the actual jerseys. Cool. Carmen, you're the best. Have fun this weekend. Yeah. We'll talk to you Thank soon. You. 
Sounds good. Thanks, guys. That's Carmen Vitale of Fox Sports covering the NFC North. She's great, man. I read something. And you're right. Like, that point that she made about. That's yeah, really good. That's that's good stuff. That's really like, an on-the-field yeah. distraction. Yeah, that, that that's not like, just him saying Because I'm over something. here doing this and this, and you got to know my secret plays that I use. Right. And- you got to know the, the unwritten in-and-out menu, and then there's nothing you can do to say, well, what did you do there? I don't know. We did whatever he did. <laughs> Yesterday, I read something by uh, one of my favorite writers, Drew McGarry, formerly of the the good Deadspin, who now works for Defector. And he writes an NFL preview called The Jamboree that comes out every week. And usually his his intro is uh, sometimes it's ridiculous. Sometimes it's a little serious. And this was the latter. And it had to do with his experiences in coaching. And it was all a way of it was an elaborate way of setting up what he described as as something going extremely well for all the right reasons for the Detroit Lions. I think it applies to the Packers, too. And I think it's something of which we should be mindful when we're talking about the Bears and whoever their quarterback is. So I'll bring you a couple of these uh, notable paragraphs next on The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We're back with more of the Bernstein and Holmes show on the score. Take us with you anywhere you go on your mobile device on the free Odyssey app. A-U-D-A-C-Y on your laptop or desktop at 670thescore.com or from home on your smart speaker. Just ask it to play 670 the score. We've been talking a lot of coaching, but football coaching, the teaching the consistency, the belief, and what it means. And this was in the context of the Bears as they made their decision to do something other than the big decision and try to work around the edges. And other teams have not, and the Bears are currently trying to find a top assistant who in the Bears system will probably be a little bit more than that, certainly depending on who it is. Well, there was a, a, a essay here by Drew McGarry who is a former college football player. He was an offensive lineman at uh, prestigious Colby College in Maine. And he's talking about sort of where he is in his life right now. And he uses three examples. He, his uh, soon, uh, somewhat elderly father is, has been told by his doctor to go to the gym and work out. So he took his dad to the gym. Great. And he started coaching him on these scary-looking machines that most – People who've never been to a, a gym would know how to use or use safely. So he talked about the pride that he's felt and how good he's been having to get his get his dad going the way his doctors wanted him to. 
He then used the example of his nephew, who is a high school, offer middle school offensive lineman. And he said, hey, Uncle Drew, what can you teach me about offensive line play? So he did, and he went through some drills with him. And he's getting better, and he said he's, he's pleased. His youngest son wants to play flag football. So he wants, he's got his wide receiver gloves, and he's showing him how to catch the ball. And he was out there throwing him passes. And he talks about the, how, as he's aged, he used to be invested in his own success. And now he says he's enjoying being, he's getting more pleasure from coaching others to do things than he did from doing things himself. And he says, I make fun of bad coaches here a lot. I revel in their mistakes. I celebrate their demise. Coaches are responsible for my team, and therefore my personal happiness rests in their hands. And I prefer they not take that happiness for granted. The majority of them don't, and yet I still feel affronted whenever they fail. When they succeed, I succeed. So here's where he changes the the tone of this piece. Jared Goff arrives in Detroit a broken man. Mm Mm-hmm. He's a millionaire many times over, a former number one overall pick, and an NFC champion. None of that matters because his old coach, documented psychopath Sean McVay, treated him like crap before treating him like an unwanted piano. The Lions take him in damn near as a favor for the Rams, getting two first-round picks for their trouble. No one believes that Goff is worth a dime. And I'm changing some of the words here because Drew swears a lot. I certainly don't. He's a robot. He can't improvise. He can't go through his progressions without McVay telling him how to do so in real time. He's not a franchise quarterback. The Lions will use up whatever's left of him and then get on with drafting a proper signal caller. That's what any sane team would do. But the Lions, as you know, have never been a sane team. So they don't look at golf the way you and I do. Where we see a lost cause, they see something else entirely. GM Brad Holmes said, I never really deemed him as a bridge. I think everybody else did. Quarterbacks coach, Mark Brunel. We wanted Jared, and once he got here, we embraced him as our quarterback. There's nothing better than playing for a team that believes in you and playing for a coaching staff that said, hey, this is our guy, and we're going to put the resources around him. And the Lions do just that. They built a top-shelf line. They draft vital skill position players like Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs, and Sam Laporta. They treat Goff like a franchise quarterback, and offensive coordinator Ben Johnson coaches him like one. A coach can teach you how to play, but not if they constantly expect you to fail. They have to believe in you. Read that line again. Uh-huh. Now, see, you, you, heard, you heard that as I heard it. A coach can teach you how to play, but not if they constantly expect you to fail. Sounds very familiar. That's why I'm doing this. They have to believe in you, just like you and I have to believe in the people we love the most. Their success becomes your own. And that's exactly what happens in Detroit three years after Goff arrives. Goff outduels the man he was traded for. And everyone, from his coaches to his teammates, is more than pleased. They're in ecstasy. This is what good coaching looks like. And it's not something you'll only find in the NFL or in college sports or at the Olympics. It's everywhere. It's in your town, it's in your kid's youth league, it's in your classroom, it's in you. You learn, so you might one day teach, even if you never intended to teach anyone anything. When the time comes for you to pass on what you know, you're passing on more than a bit of yourself to go with it. And when you see the light go on in your pupil's mind, 
your player, your son, your nephew, your daughter, your father, you'll be more pleased than you could ever possibly fathom. This is why I teach. Now, I think I would love to see this, but like now do the Packers. Now <laughs> do Jordan Love where he had to, he, he sat and he wondered and he worried. And, I'm, and he watched a guy do stuff that seemed impossible because of how unique that guy is. And maybe he, he watched a guy do it in a way that he himself never can or will. Yep. But if you start hearing what the Packers said and what they committed to doing, and even now as they've be, just begun the rebuild, this idea of, belie- of genuine belief and making sure that everything that you're doing is done for the purpose of, at least in these cases, coaching the most single most important position in all of professional sports. It's probably why, Dan, like the level of anger I know on our show when we were talking about Luke Getze got as high as it did because it never felt like you were you were pouring everything that you had into a quarterback. It always felt like you weren't bending. And, and sometimes when you're coaching or teaching or mentoring, you have to bend sometimes to what that person who needs something from you needs. This, this is exactly the problem with Matt Nagy. Yes. This is exactly the problem with Luke Getze. It's the, it's the rigidity of this is the way that it's done, and this is I'm strictly going to teach from my syllabus. It's more than that. It's when asked about Justin, he would answer about Andy. And how damaging that is. Yes. How, and, and the message it sends to your team the message is, when asked about Justin, he would say the first name out of his mouth would be Andy. Especially since at that point in his career, Andy Dalton would probably be okay with you answering the question about Justin. Like, not, he had already accomplished what he had accomplished as an NFL quarterback, that he was already starting to shift to what he's going to be for the next three years, which is an ear for a younger quarterback, a good guy to have in the quarterback room. It's frustrating as all get out. And and I'll, I agree with Drew. My experience is like that. Like I, it's so funny because I was, um, at some point Ray and I are going to have a, have a, have a a beer and I'm going to, I'm going to have the kick him out the nest speech that I usually have with my producers. Mm Mm-hmm. Once he tells me all the man cow stories and everything else, we still got to do that. We decided while you were gone that we have to set aside a segment someday for Ray to tell us all his stories of Radio Woe. Because he's that Radio Row. Yes, Radio Woe. Radio Woe. Yeah, that we've got to do that. Sounds but, like a good week between championship weekend and Super Bowl. Perfect. I agree, studs. But like, there's nothing better. Like when I was hosting the nighttime show or the, the solo show. There's nothing better than when someone graduates, when someone, when Ostrowski graduates and he leaves, and now he's like built this empire as the sports betting guy. When he's not sick. I mean, too many kids, and he's out here actually that coaching dude, too, that, so. We need to get the guy a gamma globulin too, shot. Too or many whatever kids. Yeah, there's this, I mean. 
when when Herbie is talking about going over to CHGO and he graduates, when Tony goes to NBC Sports Chicago and he grad, there's nothing better than that. Yeah. There's nothing better than just like, oh, okay, I played like a small role. Or when I hear back from students that have gotten their first job, and it it's an incredible feeling. And when you realize that not everyone needs the same thing, and, and they're not asking you for the same thing. Like, what Tony needed was completely different from what Herbie and Joe needed. Like, he needed me to be a different person. And I think it ended up making me better because you're like, okay, I need to, Tony's a little different. Mm-hmm. I got to figure out a way to bend who I am to help him get to where it is that he wants to go. I haven't done a lot of coaching or teaching. You've done a lot. But... You did it for me, Dan. But, but, no. Okay. I, no, I didn't. Have, that's, that's Dan Dan is, is going to act like he didn't do this, but he was maybe the single most important influence on reporting. And I know that you don't want me to talk about this, but I will. When I got the job to be the Bears beat reporter, Dan wrote me a handwritten two-page letter about expectations, about what he expected when I took over the job as the Bears beat reporter. So that whole line of me going from being a producer to on the air and what Bears reports on the Boers and Bernstein show sounded like when I came on every day at 5 o'clock is is directly attached to that. Like watching you do the job, watching Dave Kerner do the job, adding my own flavor to it, but understanding the expectations that go along with it. That bleep was really important. Because it, it gave me some guidance where I didn't actually have it. Like, I was kind of walking into it blind. Like, I knew what reporting was, but reporting on the Bears for the score means something different than anywhere else in Chicago. So, like, I'm super appreciative of that. So, you do have it in you and in your nature. Then after that, you became, like, an asswipe. But- <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I was that beforehand, too. Believe me. But, it was the, when I was the, the, but the only time I really have done any coat was just as a volunteer baseball assistant for Jason's house league teams. You know, Jason didn't want to hear anything. I After he got to, like, six years old, he didn't want to hear anything I had to say because he was over at Bash working with the, the minor leaguers. And my favorite thing in the world, I've said this before, was on, on House League Baseball at Wells Park. I always volunteered to help the bottom third of the roster, especially concentrating on the kids that didn't know what end of the bat to hold, who didn't want to be there, were only there because their parents wanted them to play. And the parents, you could always see the parents pacing around because they were nervous and, and all of it. And I, like I, the travel kids, the, the good players, I didn't go near because there's nothing I'm going to tell them. They're, they're getting all their private coaching anyway, and the, the actual coach is there. But I always told the regular coaches, look, after your regular practice, bring over this, 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 her, him, 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 and we're just going to do hitting. Because I can talk to these kids, and, by, and I always promise their parents that at some point this season, they will get a hit, mm. and they will get a game ball. And that was the greatest moment ever when the kid – not not or even a, even a key hit when they would get one and it would bounce through and that kid standing on first base and with both feet like literally standing on the base and you knew that after the game that there was going to be that game ball for that kid is like what we did yesterday with D'Amico Ryan's 
And you just hang right there and just play the quarterback. Mm -hmm. Play the quarterback as soon as he snap, step in front of it, go pick. Yes, sir. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Fourth and two from the Browns, 33. It's picked off. Here we go to the left, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Christian Harris. How about it? And what's great for the coach or the teacher is you tell a student something, you tell a mentee something, and they see it work, and they will come back to you and say, is there more? Mm -hmm. What more would you like? I need more. Mm -hmm. And there's, that feeling is amazing. When, when, you, when you help someone do something, and they may have had like a rough time with it, and you say, well, here's some ways that you can attack it. And they pick one of those, and they go, it worked, it worked. Well, now I want to do blank. What else works? Do you know it? Yeah. It's the, the way I describe my Gen Z students, a little different than the millennial ones, my Gen Z students are like, hey, old guy, do you know stuff? And I'm like, yes, I know stuff. Would you be willing to tell us this stuff that you know? Absolutely. Is That's it, why is I'm it here. Is that why you're, we're doing this? Isn't that the... And then they're like, great, because people don't tell us stuff. And you're like, well, I know stuff, and I can tell you stuff. Put your phone down, and we'll tell you stuff. And I will tell you stuff. When we come back, it's time for High Noon. I'm going to quiz you. It's quiz time now, Mr. Mr. Uh. Mr. Comic Books. Uh. We're going to see what you really know. I don't know a lot. Well, all right. I have a 10-year anniversary of one of the greatest sound bites ever. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, Midday's Tinted 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score. In Odyssey Station, Odyssey Station, Odyssey Station. I'll be back this way on Monday. We'll settle this then. Right there, out in the street, in front of the Palace Saloon. Yeah, right. When? High noon? At high noon, we tell you what we've been talking about. We heard Peter King's thoughts from yesterday on Parkinson Spiegel about Cliff Kingsbury potentially being the Bears' offensive coordinator. He liked the idea. We then heard Dave Wanstead's thoughts, and he does not like the idea. I think it's great. I think it'll be fun. Maybe I, he's warmed up to it now. I think that Spiegel gave him the numbers. There'll be all kinds of drama. It would be fun. We also discussed a little bit about not just the Bulls game last night, sort of an underwhelming win against a beat-up and torn-down Toronto team, but all the love for Chuck Swirsky out there for all that he's done for basketball in Canada. Carmen Vitale of Fox Sports joined us to talk about the NFC North. Terrific. And we read some stuff that Drew McGarry wrote for the defector that was really outstanding about what, what coaching really means. And we appreciate that you guys appreciated that segment, whether you're voicing that appreciation via text or on the Twitch stream, or you just nodded your head while it was going along. We, we thank you for listening to that segment and getting what it is that we were talking about. It's um... Ten years ago, Dan, there was a fierce battle between a wide receiver and a cornerback. And it played out like this. 40 seconds to play in the game. Kaepernick, end zone, Crabtree. Broken up, picked off! This game is over! Knocked in the air off the hands of Richard Sherman. Come again, come again. Okay, okay. Richard, let me ask you the... 
best corner in the game. When you try me with a star receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. Who is talking about you? Crabtree, don't you open your mouth about the best. Or you're going to shut it for you real quick. L.O.B. L.O.B. Left on base. Yes. Aaron Andrews there saying it's one of the biggest moments of her career. A lot of people got mad at Richard Sherman because they thought Richard Sherman was mad at Aaron Andrews, and he wasn't. He was mad at Michael Crabtree. Aaron did a great job of just of asking the follow-up question that led to the great soundbite. So, look, like actual sideline reporting. Any hoozle, 10 years ago, shout out to the Legion of Boom. A copy of The Amazing Spider-Man number one. Oh, God. From March 1963 was auctioned. What do you think? And it, and it broke a record. Now, no. number one, what's the condition? Do we know? Yes. The Mint? Is, now, the issue, which features Spider-Man's first encounter with the Fantastic Four, is one of only two copies to receive a grading of near mint slash mint 9.8 Yikes. from the certified guarantee company. The comic book was released only seven months after the character's debut. Spider-Man debuted in Amazing Fantasy number 15. Okay. $3 million. $1.38 million. Oh. The previous record of a copy... Of this comic from July was five hundred twenty thousand, so it's nearly triple the value of the other one. The auction lot also included a copy of Superman number one that sold for two point three four million, and a copy of nineteen forty two's All Star Comics number eight. Do you know why that's important? Nineteen forty two All Star Comics is that our first Justice League? Close, the first Wonder Woman, and that sold for one point five million dollars. I wonder what the, how much is it expected to appreciate? Like if they, if somebody turns around and flips this, I heard, I heard Bomani say something about records because he's like a big vinyl guy that applied to me as a comic book consumer. I'm not a collector. I'm someone who there. Now I will say that I have some stuff framed because the covers are so great, but I don't collect comic books. I consume them. Mm-hmm. Like I want to see the writing, the storyboards, like all of that stuff. But usually, I either donate comics or I recycle them. I'm always fascinated by the people who do like collect, collect, and with with paper with a paper product, like it's so fragile. No light, no heat, no cold. I should. I got to bring in the Sports Illustrated I just found in my parents' house. I, I'm shocked that they kept them for you, to tell you the truth. And especially on a, what's a, a sad day for Sports Illustrated. It looks like today that it's over. Yep. Very sad. Bring those in. You yeah, should bring... They're in oh, you great know, condition. You know These what Jordan you should ones do? Are the, especially like the vintage Jordan ones. Here's what you should do. You should take pictures of them and send them to Connor or Lapka. And then when we talk about it... They could have the the 
Okay. And they could throw it on Twitch for people. So that everyone, instead of you holding it up Remind to the me, camera. Remind me, that's something we'll do in the... In, in the ether. Yes, yeah. In the, in the, the ether in the con- between... The content desert. Yes. <laughs> that is High Noon. We do it every day around this time because that's how we roll. Next up, the Illinois Sports Writer of the Year. Kevin Fishbane talks Bears and NFL with us and the fact that he's the man right now. Next on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.